This is Swampside Chats, a podcast where every week communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. This week, in a sort of mini news roundup episode, Rosa and I sit down to discuss International Women's Day, the West Virginia teacher strike, Trump going to North Korea, Xi Jinping, President for Life, the newest Kennedy being foisted upon the American public, and the dissolution of Red Party. I'm Jake. I'm with Communist League Tampa, and joining me tonight is Rosa. Uh, Rosa Janice from Emancipation, uh, filling in for the rest of the gang. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I'm sort of representing the Florida Current at this point. Um, seems like everyone was kind of busy. Too busy for the podcast. Too busy. Too. I mean, I understand. Um, I mean, I personally wouldn't mind only doing like every other week, but every three weeks, that's a bit much. That's a bit thin for my taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess we don't have lives or whatever. <laughs> um. All right, so let's get started. It's We haven't really done like a news roundup in like a long time. I think because, I don't know, things have been kind of boring. You know yeah, what I mean? It's. Yeah, it's like you have Russia Gay every every week. You have something new about Trump, like ah, oh, porn star is suing Donald Trump, and ah, oh, Russia Gate thing. And it's like, yeah, these are really interesting, and we should just no, no, they're not interesting at all. They're just for they're just horrible. Well, and it's weird, no too, because people are like, if, if this were any other president, this would not be acceptable. But it's like everybody who voted for him knew, you know, he probably had affairs with porn stars. You know, I mean, it's, don't you get it? Don't you get it yet? Yeah, no, no. John JFK was like banging like multiple just like actresses and that sort of thing. So it's like nah. If it were any other president, it it would be tolerated. It's been tolerated before. Like Johnson used the N word in office. Hey, speaking, of, speaking of Kennedys, have, have you seen that? Have you seen that new Kennedy? They're trying to like foister upon us. Oh uh, yeah, the the pale ginger one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just an awkward child. Uh, I want to say child, but the man's like. He's in his forties, thirties <laughs> at least. Just... I'm trying to I'm trying to find which one it is because there's so many fucking. Okay, yeah, it's it's a uh... no, that's not the one. I mean, uh... Most of the Kennedys are dead. Yeah, I'm just gonna Google new Kennedy really quick. <laughs> but I see what that returns. Yes, there it is. Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, a new Kennedy in the political spotlight. This is from BBC. Yeah, apparently, like, this dude is, like, uh, he's, like, upset about um, legalized weed. 
because it's going to make it harder for cops to pull people over. Uh, yeah. The important issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, I mean, it's, it's weird too, because he's like, I don't know. He has like that Mitt Romney vibe. You feel like he was like created in a lab somewhere. Yeah, or, uh, or like a or like a video game where it's like design a politic or like a video game where you play a politician you have to like fuck with the settings at the beginning and this is like one of the templates you know yeah yeah it's just it's just like fallout 4 and it, it just looks as awkward and unreal as like a fallout <laughs> like the character that you create at the beginning of fallout 4 like the one thing that i remember about him was like when he did like the response to the trump the like a response to like a Trump speech or whatever. He had like really glossy lips. Like he overdid like a chap, like the chapstick really hard. <laughs> it was, it was, that's the only thing that I remember about him. And you know, there's going to be prime. He's in running in like primary or whatever. And I'm supposed to like go out and go vote for him because i have like a voter's id yes yes i i know you're, you're a bombiness you why are you doing that it's it's called parents they make you do things but anyways yeah Wait, did, did, your, yeah. did your parents make you get like get registered to vote yeah my dad encouraged it hmm. well he didn't make me he encouraged it and and you know like there's a school literally right next to me so it's not that big of a deal hmm. It's like at most I wait five minutes to go vote for. I don't know. I I'm mostly just like just writing candidates like Joseph Stalin. Yeah. Um. Real or just like vote for a third party. Like the only time I voted for a Democrat was Bernie, but that's like oh yeah, Bree College, and stuff. Ooh, free stuff. I guess for the sock dem. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm registered to vote. I basically just vote on ballot referenda, and then I just kind of vote for independence wherever I can. Yeah. You know? So yeah, there's that. Um, but speaking of elections, um, I guess so. For a while, there's been like this thing I've been hearing about out of Italy called like the Five Star Movement, and apparently, I guess they made gains in Parliament, uh, like in the last election cycle. Um, but it's I don't know. It seems the whole thing seems kind of sketch because. It's based upon populism, and depending on like the political climate, like populism can blow good ways and it can blow bad ways. Yeah, the thing with the five star movement is like they're they they're. I don't know how to. It's like populism, but it's not like usually populism like swings one way or the other. But their populism is like. I don't. I don't want to say anti-political because it's become like a weird buzzword, but it is sort of anti-political. Like basically what it's founded on is like environmentalism, direct democracy, e-democracy stuff, um, and like a number of other platforms. Uh, basically the number of positions in their platform, basically the reason why they got like a good chunk of the vote this time is because like in Southern Italy, like 20% of the population is unemployed. Mm. Like 20%, like they have a high unemployment rate. And one of the things that the five star movement was promising was, um, was a uh, universal basic income. 
so that was that was extremely popular in southern italy and yeah the five star move the success of the five star movement and right wing coalition coalition in italy is like a huge blow for the eu because both of them are against like both of them are against the e are Eurosceptic and against the EU. And like there was a narrative going along in the mainstream press that oh the the blow the populist wave is over and the EU is gonna get back it's gonna be shored up with Macron winning and that's not the case obviously. Yeah, I remember yeah the Macron stuff is so gross. Like everything I don't yeah. I don't want to don't they didn't get me started on that. I guess like one like more heartening thing I guess that was happening like nearby I guess um, I remember like around the same time last year around like the last International Women's Day there was like a strong call for like a women's strike in the United States in response to Trump and I think we sort of at least I did I voiced a lot of skepticism about that on this podcast um, but it looks like in Spain they actually came they were actually pretty successful in implementing like an actual like feminist like women's day strike. Um, I know the unions there are basically claiming that 5 million workers took part in it. You know, they had street rallies with like tens of thousands of people in like multiple cities. Um, and it was actually, they made, it was a pretty significant blip there uh, compared to, you know, efforts even in the United States. Um, probably because there's actually like a somewhat working class, like institutional structure there. Cause like, the CNT and different like trade unions endorsed it and gave legal cover to the strike for anyone who wanted to walk out. And they have labor laws there that make it easier for people to actually do something like that, even if they're not in a union. Yeah. Whereas the here, unions. you know, every, everything gets rechanneled basically back into the Democratic Party. So you just get like a march and then like the local Democratic politicos come out and like promote themselves. And then that's it, you know. Yeah, like... In the United States, it was just sort of weird and kind of pathetic. Like, oh yeah, we clo- we're closing down our small business today because the wim- we got to support the women's, we got to respect the women's, and show that dastardly Trump, who who's who and who's boss here, the yeah, American if you, if you, woman if you want, here. If he wants to get some uh, kombucha today, it's not happening for him. Not happening. Not in the cards for Trump. No whom is no whom is for Trump supporters. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it's just. It's just like yeah. All these people were like supporting like the like a a ser- a woman who's defended a serial rapist that's probably had sex with kids, and yeah, it is against another serial rapist. So it kind of like undermines the point of the whole women's day here but you know in spain it's kind of more meaningful since there's like unions and things like that there was like it wasn't just a petty bourgeois spectacle of i don't want to say virtue signaling because that's just that's just such a cringy term Uh but there's there's no other way to describe like what happened in the United States compared to what happened in Spain, you know? Yeah. One is a meaningful strike because it has like workers and people who who actually like, you know, matter 
the other one is just like this like oh man i'm not going to be able to go to this this upscale small business today you know because woman's Yeah, and it, it basically it's it's just a kind of logical outgrowth of the sort of petty bourgeois character of the left in the United States, um, and the ties of the you know Democratic Party to its sort of base in the professional class. Yeah. But but I guess one of the one of the more like heartening things recently, uh, the other thing, one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about uh, was the whole like West Virginia teacher uh, teacher strike that took place, um, which oh, was yeah. kind of. Which was kind of, I mean, you know, kind of a big. Is is fairly heartening. Um, yeah, but the thing is, they kind of got like a shit deal, anyways, from what I could tell, right. from what I've heard. Like, right. Well, it's it's encouraging in terms of like organizing. Like they were able to do it without like the support of a union, and you know, and they were doing it mostly online, which is like, yeah, that's that's. You were basically able to organize a wildcat strike through Facebook Facebook group, which is like pretty nice if you have like like just no support for unions and things like that going on. But what's interesting but, about it, one of, well, one of the interesting things about it was that it was kind of a mix because there was previously the. There is, they, there is a teachers union there and everyone is kind of aware of it and in it, but like they, the union itself wasn't like the primary impetus for this thing. Like it really was basically an upsurge in like rank and file action and self-organization. So it's like, a, it's cause you, you can't say it's like a total like IWW from the ground up. We built, you know, I mean, there, there were, it seems like there were IWW, uh, people and like socialist cadres who were involved in this to a certain extent and agitating and probably to some extent organization, but they were also working within the existing framework of um, the American Federation of Teachers and then the um, National Education Association in West Virginia. So it was kind of, it just kind of shows the value of having, you know, class conscious militant workers in milieus who can agitate and do a certain extent organize, you know, at crucial political moments. But we also see the limitations of that, of not having, you know, true um, independent groups, because when it came down to the final negotiation, they were basically forced to accept a deal that was kind of a poison gift because while they got enough, because the whole thing that started it was healthcare costs are going up because Obamacare is collapsing um, and they were basically offer the teacher a small the teachers a small raise, but the hell it would not offset the healthcare costs. It was really um, a, pay, a pay cut overall. So they went on strike, and they got enough of a pay raise to offset the healthcare costs. But it's going to basically come from cuts to social services, um, which is a problem because it basically divides the working class. Um, they get they be painted not as a group fighting for um, the public employees insurance agency, which helps people even beyond um, the teachers specifically. They don't, they're not fighting for the interests of the whole working class. They're basically like a sectional interest who are just out to get theirs basically. Like that's how they're going to paint it because it's coming from, it's coming from cuts elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds horrible. I mean, at least they put up some kind of fight, I guess, but 
but well i mean i guess it's the the funding of this is i from what i understand it's not set in stone it seems like the they were promised the republicans in order to be get them to vote on it were promised that it would cut it'll probably go that way um like they will probably come from cuts that way but they do have a chance to fight that out um in the coming months but the problem is without like the strike existing and having like that kind of strong solidarity and strong unity that comes from being in the midst of an action like this i wonder if they'll be able to maintain that momentum going forward yeah i i don't think so i i'm not well it at the bare minimum they it it would be kind of hard for them to like crack down on like strikes that aren't really organized like wildcat strikes that are just organized online i guess hmm. i mean well i mean i think that you know it, it i think there's a chance that they could you know through these social networks and so forth maintain some kind of unity and continue to fight it out i mean i think they should definitely be prepared to go on strike again um because and it, i should mention i probably didn't say this explicitly they were calling for the strike to be financed or the pay increase to be financed by basically incre increasing taxes on natural gas. So a slight, a slight increase on in natural gas would have basically paid for the whole thing, which, yeah. and I, I, I felt strongly just, and you know, just from my armchair, you know, five States down, uh, that they basically should have done everything they could to hold out until they got exactly what they wanted. Cause it's like, they pretty much had them by the balls anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still it's still a positive thing. It seems to be inspiring militancy in other states. I know there's rumors of something maybe going on in Oklahoma and Arizona. I think maybe somewhere else, but I don't remember specifically. Because this does, in, in some ways, remind me of Wisconsin from a while back, like very early on in this decade. And like the big mistake of Wisconsin was they basically allowed the entire thing to be rechanneled into... Democratic Party dead ends in the form of a recall of the governor, which failed yeah. once the state was flooded with money uh, to make sure that Scott Walker stayed in office, something which was, of course, you know, entirely predictable. Um, and it seems like perhaps they learned from that to a certain extent. Like there, there, there may be a political dead end here, but it's not as bad as, you know, we just need to basically change who the governor is. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was genuinely unfortunate that it ended up just being put back into Democratic Party operation. Like, well, I think it's at least in West Virginia. I think it's still a little bit up on the up in the air in terms of where it goes, and that's basically because um, the guy who's the current governor was elected as a Democrat and switched to a Republican. <laughs> so it's kind of hard for them to pull out the old line. Well, we just need to have Democrats in office. But I don't know. Well, I, I like to think maybe there's some there's some memory of anyone who watched what happened in Wisconsin, um, learning from that going forward that it's not just yeah you know, it's not just a simple political problem of whether it's a Democrat or Republican in office. But we shall see. Another thing I don't there are aspects of this that are amusing to me, but I don't know how much we can really extrapolate from it. Uh, but Trump is going to North Korea. Oh yeah, you heard about that? Yeah, yep. And liberals are rushing to figure out how to like make this seem like a bad thing, you know? Possibly negotiating like some kind of peace or whatever. Like possibly, 
it's a bit naive naive to assume that there could be like attempts at unification but that that's not going to happen of course because of like obvious geopolitical tensions between like china and the united states and how china uses north korea as like a buffer between them and like like just sort of like the proxy of like the united states that is south korea right like I mean, it seems like the best case scenario here is Kim Jong-un goes, uh, goes dangus basically and cuts some kind of a deal. Yeah. Cuts some kind of deal, like moving towards more, uh, disarm, moving towards disarmament. Like that would ultimately be good for, uh, North Korea and South Korea. Um, like Rachel Maddow was commenting on how North Korea has always wanted to have a one-on-one with the president of the United States. And this is a secret scheme by North Korea to do something evil and whatever. It's well, isn't it's that a what, trap. Isn't that, isn't that what they want though? Like poison Trump, like that would be that's to be doing them a favor. You think they'd want that? Yeah. But it's, well, his, you know, Kim uh, Kim Jong Il, uh, he actually met Clinton um, in the in the aughts. Uh, Clinton wasn't president anymore, but he did go there. I think in exchange for like the release of some hostages or something. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's some president there. Yeah, it's basically like one of the few things that Trump has done that actually isn't bad. Yeah. Yeah. Broken and- clock. Yeah, and, like, liberals are trying to, like, spin this as, oh, this is actually horrible because uh, it's Trump. There well, we go. Well, no, well, it's, it's comes from the, it stems from the logic of, well, if Obama did this, you'd all be saying that, so I'm going to say that back. Yeah. Very childish. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's what you get when you have no actual policies to, like, no oppose trump with except not except opposing tariffs don't want to do that um yeah that's the thing about like and i just want to i want to talk about the tariffs too um but one just one more thing about this north korea thing like um this is the thing i've been following because my man dennis rodman uh he's basically i feel like he's angling for an ambassadorship now because I think he, he nice. reached out to Trump and he's like, you know, if, if I can be if I can be of help in any way, you know, if I could <laughs> head over there and shoot some hoops. Um, but like the vice that vice documentary um, where Rodman went to North Korea and they followed him. It does make me think that this isn't going to work so well with Trump, because I feel like um, the North Korean capital is like too chintzy for Trump's tastes. Like it's very it's very Soviet modernist. And if you yeah. look at like the furnishings and the facilities, like it's it's not that it's not that ritzy because like Saudi Arabia, like Trump can get along with the Saudis because they have like his exact taste and more money than he has to like implement all of like even his wildest dreams, right? Like yeah. they can they can get like they can drive around in like Ferraris with like uh, airbrushed like spider patterns all over it and like gold plated steering wheels and shit. 
Yeah, they understand, like, uh, they are, like, the height of bourgeois decadence, and, you know, it, it, it's sort of weird combined with the Wahhabism because, you know, it's like, ah, uh, they're so decadent and just this utterly, like, weird, horrifically religious society that's oppressive to the max, and then you have, like, these kids who are just leaving their... Fu- Ferraris in the middle of the street because it's it's not even worth anything really to them. Yeah, you know, just... or like even back in the seventies, like they were notorious for like going to like Studio Fifty Four and like, engaging in like gay coke orgies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, so I could see, but the problem with like North Korea is like if you like if you've watched like that Vice documentary, like the the basketball court that the whole thing is played on with like the Harlem Globetrotters, like it it looks. Like I'm sure that there are high school basketball arenas that are much nicer than the one that they were playing in, oh. you know. At the, and, it, and it was like a state function. And it was just like the chintziest shit ever. So they're really gonna have to, you know, polish some things up if they want to impress. They want to impress the Donald. Yeah, the, yeah, they gotta step it up. Maybe, maybe like add some gold plating to things. Like just, just, just cover things in gold and like cheetah. Uh, cheetah leopard skin like rugs and shit like that yeah, send somebody like, send, just... send somebody to South Korea send them to like Party City get some just gold like style foil you know you don't have to go you don't have to, you don't have to spend a he's not going to look at it up close you know yeah. but yeah so yeah. basically Trump is like raising tariffs and that's another thing that people are pearl clutching about I mean it's stupid but you can kind of see like his like I guess his his economic populism and economic nationalism didn't really go out the door with Bannon necessarily, because like when he when he announced yeah. like the, the aluminum and steel tariffs, it was like he had like these workers like surrounding him. And he's like, we're gonna we're gonna bring it back, guys. We're gonna do it. But, yeah, it, it well, it's like something that he's like just sort of doing in order to establish. I think well he's like doing it to establish his independence from the rest of the republican party because they're they're all just like they're like ryan and that ryan and every one of the free marketeers is just like no no stop stop actually don't do this this is really dumb and his economic advisor just resigned yeah after being ignored by by trump so they're they're all they're all like they got they have their panties in a bunch and they're just, they're just really mad. Just... Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like when like Bill Clinton would go hunting like in the late nineties or the, in like the mid nineties to prove he was, you know, with the common man, like it doesn't really do anything. Like, I mean, this could, I mean, this could obviously potentially spark a trade war, but it's also worth noting that like last year, I believe um, China actually, cause they, they had been like subsidizing like surplus, like steel production and output. And they actually cut back on that recently already. Um, so there's already kind of a, it seems like they were already prepared in advance for some kind of reduction in, in steel exports um, as, as they basically transition to a different form of economy anyway. So, I mean, I think that, I think that they, I, I think it's certainly possible that this doesn't make the kind of waves that some are speculating, but you know, it could also, because like the global economy, I think is really, really precarious. It, there could be any number of things that set off, you know, the collapse of the house of cards that we're currently sitting on top of. And this could be yeah. one of them. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Like, 
hasn't the stock market not really recovered since I, I can't remember if it like recovered since like that weird sort of crash thing. It did a little bit. I mean, I mean, there, there's a lot of talk like in the financial press of like a coming market correction, which, mm. you know, I mean, basically everyone probably is coming to understand that, you know, there are a lot of assets that are overinflated in terms of their price. So, but, uh, one more thing, I guess, uh, if you have, if there's nothing else to say about that, uh, old, uh, old Xi Jinping uh, has positioned himself to be president for life. I know that came out of the party Congress recently. It's weird because, you know, Communist Party politics are so, in China, are so opaque. Like, I'm really curious what to make of this. Um, I mean, it, it looks like they're just transitioning to more, like, straightforward nationalism. But I wonder why, why this, like, because... You know, like when Stalin consolidated like his power in the Communist Party, it was order it was in order to undertake some things that would be necessarily extremely unpopular. So, it, it, is this just like an ego thing on Xi Jinping's part, or is there some kind of like major structural changes at the works that they need to basically tamp down uh, any potential dissent for? Mm. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Chinese politics to say where he, whether he's like this is just an ego trip thing or if if he's coming out with the next great leap forward or whatever the dangus 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 i think it's dangus dangus i can't pronounce word okay um dangus equivalent yeah yeah whatever the dang the diddly diddly dangus uh (laughs) equivalent of the great leap forward would be in this situation we should get yeah. We should get an ex, we should get an expert on uh, yeah. Jason Jason Unruh, get him on here. Jason, yeah, Jason Unruh. Oh God, did you did you see God that? Tier. Did you see that conversation he had with like Sargon of Akkad or whatever? I I was able to get through like forty minutes and then I was just it, it wasn't even the argument part that made me mad. It was just like letting Jason Unruh just butcher like entirety of Marxist history, Marxology yeah. bullshit. Like it, it it's he has the understanding of like a high schooler who's like like skimmed through his sociology. I mean his a uh, uh, social studies textbook. Yeah, like just. It's like, oh man, Marx believed in stages that you had to go through state capitalism in order to get to communism, which is something that Marx explicitly argued against when, like, a critic, when there was like a Russian critic of of like capital pointing pointing it out. Like his argument was basically like capital was about like the development of capitalism in Europe, and there could possibly be means by which like like Russia could possibly just like skip over capitalism since you know humans create history like well, that was basically his response and it was a letter to like one of the Russian populists Nar- I can't remember the name it's like narcs I I am bad with Russian words yeah um, there, there there's a lot of uh consonants like stuck together and silent h's and shit so yeah yeah i i mean i i that's about what i got through on it i got through a little bit further uh basically what seemed to happen was that unruh let himself get boxed in uh by basically like having to gainsay all the developments of capitalism um 
because but it's like Marx understood that capitalism was historically progressive, but you kind of do have to have like I think a sophisticated understanding of like crisis theory in order to really explain and also you know just the central concept of the dictatorship of the proletariat in order to argue for why capitalism isn't just gonna naturally evolve into like a utopian society because like early on at one point like Sargon basically said he thought that like capitalism was gonna turn into communism on its own. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Yeah, that was weird. That was like full automation is going to lead to communism, which is a common idea. Yeah, it, it's if Jason it, Unruh. If Jason Unruh was smart enough, he could have like he, he could have like he, he could have been like, yeah, you know, he could have like provided like the crisis theory of explanation of why like it would lead to at least a crisis of capitalism or something right. like a Marxology explanation of it instead. Just... Or, or even just like a basic class struggle thing and not saying, well, uh, Marx was wrong because all the poverty is in the third world. Um, yeah. But to actually explain how like the, the some of, at least a good portion of the progressivism of capitalism is conditioned by class struggle. Like it just doesn't emerge in yeah. a fact. Well, well, Jason Unruh was a part of the LLCO, which is leading light communist organization, which is basically uh. just a drug trafficking ring. Hmm. Like he was a part of it. He got kicked out once for insulting a guy's wife, <laughs> and the second time he just left. Hmm. When he was readded, he just left. Like I, I've had, I've had some awkward just Google Hangouts with like Jason Unruh, this guy named who went by the name uh, Commander Prairie Fire. He got kicked out like a year or two back. He's in prison now for drug trafficking. Mm. Um, yeah, but basically, it's not a real communist organization. It's just like a weird drug trafficking ring. And they, they claim that they have connections to the third world, but it's it's really obvious that they don't because they can never provide any evidence outside of their website well, that they, they do. They can't say it's because it's where they're getting the drugs from. They can't say that like out in the open. Yeah, they can't say where they're they're getting the drugs from, and it's just it's just weird and embarrassing. Like, like yeah, I'm so in a Facebook I, group with if one I, if of I them. Smoke, if I smoke weed that was grown in Mexico, does that mean that I have connections to the third world too? Like, I, yeah, I guess it's fucking that's third world dyspraxis. I guess it, it's also kind of weird because like LLCO is like. They claim to have created a new form of communism that's beyond Maoist third worldism, and it, uh, but like m like they still come from like the Maoist third worldist tradition, and most Maoists hate drug. Most Maoists have like a weird hostility to like drug dealers and drugs in general. Yeah, it, it, it's just weird and sort of nonsensical because you know they these. Like the people, the FARC people in the Shining Path had like weird connections. Well, FARC was just like cocaine communism, from what I remember. Or wasn't it the Shine? I can't remember if it was the Shining Path FARC that was like weird cocaine did it through like cocaine. I'm not sure. Uh, I think I think Shining Path was definitely involved in the drug trade. Um, yeah, Shining Path, like it's. It's weird and nonsensical, but American Maoists are general tryhards. Like you can tell from 
right guard Austin and that sort of thing. Well, well, yeah, I mean, like the anti-drug stuff makes sense in the context of like early 20th century China, where opium being flooded into the country was a means of social control for British imperialism. But if you get attracted to like this anti-drug stuff now, um, you're basically unless you maybe grew up in a place that was really decimated by like drugs. I don't know. Unless that's and you maybe like lost a lot of family members to it. You're probably just a puritanical jagoff who's really boring to be around. Yeah, yeah, you can tell that it's 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 the latter. It's the latter. You can tell there the everyone in Red Guard Austin is like a creamy white gentrifier dipshit. The Red Guard types are just generally the worst kind of LARP. Yeah. Uh, So I guess one last thing I want to talk about in closing. R.I.P. Red Party. Yeah, they released Red. they released a statement on their uh, on their website, basically officially claiming their disillusion. Which you know, um, it's nice when it's nice when groups do that because uh, you know a lot of people don't like on the left don't like to admit failure. So mm-hmm. it's nice to you know, somebody put out a, put a notice saying uh, you know it's all over, uh, that's it, and yeah. uh, here here's kind of why. I'm trying I'm actually I'm trying to find their website right now, but it's like. It's deep in Google. Like, there's a bunch of stuff called Red Party. Yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly not worth it. Like, it was barely. I I was in it. It was barely there. There was the New Jersey branch. That was the only really active branch. The rest was just like skeleton shit. And... I mean, I, it it was kind of a part of you know the formation of this podcast. Um. I've been talking about, yeah. uh, we, we did CLT have been talking about doing a podcast forever, and we had this title idea forever, but I guess we decided to basically do it over Google Hangouts as a way to kind of like reach out and kind of have a sort of ongoing dialogue with Red Party, but as Red Party kind of slowly collapsed, you know, the podcast sort of took on a life of its own, so yeah. I thought it'd be worth mentioning, um, so best of luck to everyone who left Red Party to do other things, um, I guess press F to pay respects. Yep. That's it for this week. This one ran a little short, a little light on the panelists, but I don't think any lighter on the insight. Okay, it was a little lighter on the insight. But hey, what have we promised you? Nothing. What have you paid us for any of this? Nothing. Every episode we say at the beginning that it's communists sitting down and shooting the shit. And that's what we do here. If we've fallen down anywhere, it's the every week thing. But hey, we're not getting paid for this shit. So if you don't like it, too fucking bad. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us at swampsidechats at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, uh, share it around. Tell some people about it. Tell your friends. Give us a thumbs up on Facebook. A good review on iTunes. So until next time, keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow. <laughs>